Hey guys, just Josh here. Welcome to Ballarat Talks. Proudly sponsored by the Region Cinema. Jeez, you, yeah, you, yeah. you put the balls on the line there. Yeah, I was. <laughs> just, just, just. No, I moved, I moved out of home when I was 14, so it sort of comes really my face. Look at the the phone's going to ring off the hook. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, guys, with John Campbell. All right, so as guest, he's a world-class martial arts coach, uh, having trained multiple state and national champions in both jiu-jitsu and MMA. The main reason I wanted to get him on was uh, my business partner of nearly eight years. Um, he, he had such a positive impact on him, and I was like, I really want to meet this man. Oh, I better turn that off, eh? <laughs> I really want to meet this man. So, um, And a lot of the boys also from the gym... Um, would liken him more to a life coach than, I suppose, a, a trainer. Um, he's the owner of Infinite, Infinite MMA. Welcome, John Campbell. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on, mate. Appreciate oh, it. I appreciate it as well. Um, yeah, like I said, the main reason I wanted to get you on is like you've had such a positive impact, I suppose, on some of these younger younger boys coming through. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Not a problem. Like, um, uh, I have fond memories of Harley. So do, go it's, on. It's I, a great time. He'll be listening to this straight away. So <clears> give me, give me, give me one of the memories. Maybe is there any that. Give me a positive and a negative. Do you have any only dirt on him, maybe? Um, no, no. He, he he's a good he's a good dude. He's driven. Yep. He he, um, he really gets after it. He's um, even even to the point of of detriment where it's like, yeah. dude, you just need to switch the decaf a little bit. And <laughs> was he doing heaps of coffee back then? Oh, well, he was humming uh, the coffee here. Yeah. He just loves it. He yeah. just he just loves getting after it. So it's a you know I would just be trying to get him to focus on technique and, and slowing things down. And that's what you have to do with different people. As you know, in your industry, it's like some people you have to slow down and hold back and tell them yep. when to rest. And, and Harley was, was definitely one of those guys. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, all right, a negative. He, just, just the, the hass, hass. He, mm. he, he makes that noise. He still does it. Mate, I fucking hate it. He, uh, he says up all the time now too. <laughs> up. That's what he does up, all up, the time when he's doing bench press or something. He says it all the time. He does. He, he didn't say that there. Obviously, it's uh, yeah. a different terminology, but um, it's always like, <laughs> come on, hus, hus. Like, you love that. Come on, bro. You love that. But but driven, yep. uh, athletic, talented, um, definitely could have could have um, pursued MMA yep. um, if he wanted to, you know. But but had a business mind and hooked up mm. with you and went that route, and that's fantastic as well. They actually just um, there's a a jiu-jitsu place. Am I saying that right, by the way? Jiu-jitsu? Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Um, that's just moved into the, our gym with us. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're called Oregon, actually, not Origin, but... Which, whereabouts is that? In Ballarat? In Shepparton, Shepparton. Oh, Shepparton. Yeah, in Shepparton, not here, yeah. Um, I, actually, I think I know that guy. I can't remember his name, but short hair guy. I think there's about four Cody. of them in it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I can't quite remember the names, but... Yeah, interesting. If he's watching this, sorry, man. Like, so, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, there's so many people okay. in the industry. There's so many people. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get started. So, tell me, tell me about yourself. For no one, so you grew up in Ballarat. Oh, you moved here when you were 15. Yeah, about 15, 14 or 15. I from um, from Melbourne. So okay. I lived in South Melbourne. Yep. Um, for the majority of my life growing up, um, and it was the ghetto back then. So was it really? Yeah. So. Let's say I moved into that area uh, 1987. Yep. So, like, this is, you know, when it was bad. So, South Melbourne and Port Melbourne back then. With um, the other spots. Though, yeah, right? the, the, that was the ghetto, you know. I, I grew up in housing commission, no, no fault of uh, my mother's, but my, my father was 
<laughs> wild. He was wild, yep. he, he, but he had an alternative life. So something that my mother wasn't aware of, like she was a hardworking nurse. Yep. She'd go to work and my dad would take me out and, and she had no idea. Like, you know, after midnight, I'd be in a baby seat in the back of the car while he's doing wild shit. So, right. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. Okay. Th- th- things get crazy. So he went to jail when I was six. Yep. We lost everything and started again in housing commission. Yep. Um, in South Melbourne. So, Jeez. yeah. Grew what? up quite in a tough, hostile environment. You probably didn't realise it though at the time, yeah? Like you just thought it was quite normal maybe? Well, to start with, all I knew was love and affection. So even my father was like really fantastic in front of my mother. Yeah. Like there's like two sides of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when that face was on, everything was fantastic in my life. When she'd go to work, he would like things would get crazy so i was aware that i didn't like that and i wasn't um i didn't like hanging out with his friends i didn't like being around that other side of of life and of him so um yeah i I was aware that something was off but i didn't really know what but you know hindsight it's like um yeah yeah. yeah, you know you're aware of everything that goes on in life yeah there on after you know psychologically Mm -hmm. it does change you for sure and so why'd you move at 15 what what happened there um just new starts but better broader horizon but i also did get a scholarship to a taekwondo school here because um i was you know, a little bit su- successful in the sport. Mm-hmm. I was um, I was already competing by then. Um, you know, I I beat the third ranked fighter in the world in taekwondo back then. He just came back from Istanbul, Turkey, and I beat him. You know, like I was I was like fourteen, and I got offered free training up here. And wow. um, yeah, so anyway, we moved up here. Where where we were living was just like a, a dead end thing. Like where I grew up, most people, honestly, the people I grew up with, they're either dead. Or in jail, like okay. so. That was pretty. Well, is that where you learned? The, like, where did all the fighting stuff? Because you said you like you must have had a fair bit of a background in it beforehand. Mm. If you were at what fourteen and said like you're coming here and they're giving you scholarships. Yeah, so it started when I was very young. Um, my mother took me to judo, and I was so scared to do a somersault. Like the first thing they teach you, and I was like, I started crying, and that was the end of my judo career. You know, like I was crying, and my mum must have been so embarrassed, and because that's what she knew when she was a kid. It, it was it was judo, and her sisters. She's got quite a few sisters, and one of them was like a state judo champion. Yep. Um, so she knew what judo was. So she took me there, and I was too scared. I cried. I tried a little bit. Cried, cried, cried. Take me home. A couple of years later. Um, once my dad went to jail and we moved into that new commission area like mm-hmm. i had my first knife held to my wrist when i was eight in in, in, fuck, yeah, what, so in, in the stairwell Jesus Christ. just for nothing it's right. just like give me a wallet i'm like i don't have a wallet like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like it's not I'm eight, like, yeah I'm, yeah exactly <laughs> excuse me hey. um so yeah like i had my i had my first knife held to me at eight so um was pretty much, I think I was eight, uh, yeah, eight and a half, nearly nine. Um, you still sort of have 
uh, a worship for your father in your head. Yeah. And I knew he did taekwondo, so I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll try taekwondo. And that was the the first thing that sort of made me feel like I could accomplish things in life. It was like, obviously, because of the disturbance, (laughs) we'll call it the disturbance of, of that, we moved around a little bit. Yeah. Um, and you don't get schoolwork done. So I, f- I felt like I wasn't really focusing on on school. Yeah. I missed a lot of the curriculum and it was like kind of catch up, catch up every time I go to school, try and make new friends. Yeah. And then, yeah, so you, you'd slip behind. But then when I found Taekwondo, I was like, man, I'm not a loser. Like I'm, I'm good at something, you know, like, and that, that gave me the drive and the motivation to just Passion. keep turning Definitely. up and, 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 um, but it was always focused on bullies. Don't get on bullies. Yeah. Don't get caught by the bullies. Yeah. You've got to be able to def- defend yourself because it was like fight or flight every day. Literally like one of my questions I wrote was, was what are your thoughts on bullying in school and, and, and then a bit of combat training or a bit of like, I suppose, um, <clears throat> self-defense. Um, because obviously, it's one of those things, like I I sometimes feel a bit insecure around situations and thinking, can I back myself to fire? I'm sure I could throw a punch, but I don't know if I could defend myself properly. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that type of stuff? With- Man, I think that, that you're being realistic. If you've never done fight training, yeah, you're, you're an intelligent dude, obviously, you know, like, um, and, and, and you think about things and you reflect on things. Yeah. Um, most people don't. Most people think, no, 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 I'll do bench presses. Like nah, fuck, muscles mean nothing, people. <laughs> yeah, it's very different. Mm. But attitude is is the biggest thing. Yep. Because you see guys that have never trained and they're street fighters and they and they take trained fighters out. Yep. Because the trained fighter hasn't explored outside the realm of sport. Yep. So that that's the big thing. When I teach a beginner, I always teach from the perspective of self-defense mm-hmm. it's it's big to me obviously because of what i just mentioned yeah so you need to be able to defend yourself i think the it's it's, it's also going back to your question of schools and and things like that a lot of schools have implemented a policy where you're not allowed to put your hands on another kid which is fine unless you're defending yourself like my god like if someone puts their hands on your kid Mm. your kid has a right a human right to be able to defend themselves the school can't override that the school will say yeah but you're both expelled it's like hang on a minute my kid was defending themselves you know and that's a human right the cool the school can't override that Mm -hmm. it's law human human rights is like if you put your hands on me and ask you not to and then you step in my personal space again and i feel threatened i can remove you from my personal bubble yep you know which which sounds sounds funny (laughs) that's how i I say it's like i'm in a bubble yep you know and if you come into my bubble and i step back and i'm like don't come any closer yep and you do well that's clear that that we have a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, if you were a cool dude and I said, don't come any closer, you'd be like, oh, no worries, man. I was just trying to say hi or, yep. or whatever the situation might be, you know? Like, if you're a cool person, you could stay outside my bubble. Gotcha. You know? Um, if you're an antagonist or, uh, you know, a threat, mm-hmm. then you, you would step inside my bubble and try and 
you know, disarm me by saying, no, 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 no. What I was just asking is, no, 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 you don't have to get any closer. Yeah, you can tell me from there. You can tell me from there. That's why I'm so passionate about self-defense. It's always, it starts from self-defense. It starts from, um, I teach a lot of women's self-defense as well, like Mm -hmm. free women's self-defense. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Do you really? What what time do you do? Like, what's there? Well, I do courses. Okay. uh, So, sorry, a seminar, so, or a workshop course. Awesome. So, um, you know, once every couple of months, I'll run a a, a free workshop for for anyone that wants to come in. Awesome. And I don't give them a business spiel. There's no, like, sign up and you'll da-da-da-da. Nothing. (laughs) All I ask is pass it on. Show somebody, show another girl that you know, show your mother, show your sister, you practice what you know, but as you practice, yeah, teach them because it's so basic to be able to stand your ground, feel like you've got base, and it's so worthwhile to have that attitude to say, "Well, what I like to what, what I like to say, excuse my French, is yeah. like you've got some fuck you in your back pocket." Yep. So when someone comes up to you, you can always pull that draw card out if you never need it. Fantastic. Yeah. But it gives you confidence in all other areas. Yeah. You know, I do think I, I like I said I. I do think that you, you, everyone should, should have it to feel mm. the need that they feel a bit safe in themselves knowing that, like I said, you've got a bit of fucking fuck you in your back pocket. Yeah, you? exactly. It's <clears throat> the, the older and uglier I get, it's like you realise <laughs> that all these people, these bullies, they're, they're also bullied as well. There's something going on at home. So as much as a shit person that is presented to you, you have to look at them like they're that bullied kid still. Yeah. Like, they're, oh man, imagine that guy's shit lifestyle, all that type of stuff. I don't want people thinking like, you know, you got into my bubble and John said, bang, yeah. you know, like yeah. as soon as you get into my bubble. Like, you know, being a little bit empath- empathetic, empathetic yeah. is fantastic. You know, like that's, that's um, it's great for relationships, getting to know people and things like that. You don't want to be that hard ass. Mm. Um, in life where you're just walking around ready for for whatever goes down and and believe me i've been through that phase you know as yeah. i said hindsight's great yeah um but you, you you've got to realize that um you know the way forward is understanding mm-hmm. but you know if someone steps on your toes you gotta you, you actually have to jump on theirs yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> um yeah so 15 years old you come mm-hmm. to ballarat mm. um obviously just with your mum yeah Mum and my sister. Mum and your sister, yeah. awesome. And my sister's six years younger than me. Yep. And you're doing still doing school? Where did you go to school? I went to Ballarat East when I when I came here. Yep. Um, my scholarship was when I say scholarship, it was straight Taekwondo. It was it was the, the sporting aspect. Um, yep. It wasn't an Olympic sport yet, but it was um, in the in the makings of. It had been in the uh, eighty eight Olympics as a demonstration sport and then it was picked up and then that's that's what i was working towards at that point in my life so you you met someone named ziggy is it (laughs) ziggy yeah Yeah. ziggy's my wrestling coach yep i actually met ziggy about that time so ziggy was part owner in a paintball skirmish okay field Uh, he owned balan paintball still there is it still there yeah i think it is still there okay he doesn't own it anymore okay yep but um, I think he sold his part. Yep. But um, back then he owned it, and um, that's how I met Ziggy. Funnily enough, I, after I'd moved to Ballarat um, with the Taekwondo scholarship, I befriended uh, someone at, at Ballarat East, mm-hmm. and he worked at the paintball thing. And he's like, "Oh, fifty bucks for for working a couple of hours on Saturday. You want to come?" And I'm like, "She, yeah, you know, yeah. that sounds great, you know." Yep. And um, because when we moved here, it was still like a housing commission. Yeah. 
Whereabouts were you living in town here? Ballarat East. It was um, apparently it was a notorious court back in the day, Rogers Court in Ballarat East. Don't know it. Yeah, I'd mentioned it to a couple of people, and they're like, "Oh, drug dealers court," and I'm like, "Ah, oh, yeah." Whereabouts? Mm-hmm. Where I don't even know what site is it near Russell Square. No, it's um, opposite. It was one of the disability arc, maybe arc disability. No, don't know the spot. Okay, a Canadian lead primary. No, Lake Esmond. Yes, a couple of blocks from Lake Esmond. Oh, got you out that way. Yeah, right. Yep, I'm with you. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, so it was like still, uh, you know, a bit of a rough area. It was housing commission surrounded by housing commission. Yep, which was interesting. You know. Mm. Um, had a few fights. Yeah, as expected though. Like as expected, yeah. like people people jump in the fence and mm-hmm. you know calling my mum a slut and and all that type of stuff. And when she's like, get out of our place and all that. So you know, Pretty I'm fun. no I'm no stranger to to uh, you know I'm not a, I'm not a choir boy by any means. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, it was a product of the surrounding. Definitely. Uh, absolutely. Um, so you went to school and you finished did you year 12, year 10? What did you get yeah, to? Yeah, I did, year 12? I did yeah. year 12 um, at Midlands. Yep. So it was year 10 at, at East or Wendoree back then. And then you, they, they, they met together in VCE, mm-hmm. the, the 11 yep. and 12 subjects, yep. at Midlands on Norman Street. Yep. Awesome. So I finished that. Um, what was that? 1997, I think, or six, something like that. I uh, got Sports Person of the Year. Awesome. In Ballarat? In Ballarat, well yeah. Um, yeah. For, yeah, the Taekwondo stuff that I was doing yep. and things like that. But um, by then, I'd already been training with Ziggy for a, a, a year or so. Okay. So I met him just when I moved to Ballarat. Yep. And um, I remember shaking his hand and it was just like... Firm, was it? Fuck. Yeah. It was like a vice. I'd yeah. never felt... Because I was already into grip strength and strengthening my hands and I'd read Bruce Lee stuff and it was yep. like strengthening your forearms. It's key to, to punching harder. I was like, shit, yeah, you know, I'm 14, I'm squeezing balls and I'm doing these <laughs> grip of things and walking to school instead of catching the bus so I could have time to work this, this grip this strength stuff. And, um, and then I, I thought I was, you know, 14, 15, when I was pretty strong and I'm like, go to shake his hand and it was like, he could have just... Like bam, bam, just yeah. picked me up, bang, 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 on either side, you know. And it was like, holy shit, who's that guy? And they're like, oh, he's, um, you know, Commonwealth gold medalist and um, and yeah. things like that. So yeah, that's, that's. So he owned the place here, or he just trained here? Like, did he own a facility? Nope. No. So the only long-term student Ziggy ever had was me. Wow. Um, he lives in Dalesford. Um, and I rang him up one day, and I'm like, oh, I heard. That you're a good wrestler and I would really like to train with you. You know, he's, um, anyone that's met Ziggy knows he loves to take the piss out of people. And, you know, he's, he's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Who are you? He he knew who I was. Yep. Um, but he pretended not to, and he's dragged me on this, this, uh, roller coaster of, you know, Oh, so where do you want to train then? Well, what do you want me to do about it? You know, all that type of stuff. And then at the end, he's like, of course you can come, you know, just, just make sure you tell me who you are next time. John Jiu Jitsu or like, you know, like all that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's how I met Ziggy and he tortured me for many, many years before I learned how to wrestle properly. In a good, like he was your mentor basically for you, like at that time or? Yeah, at that time for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Like because growing up without a father figure and 
in the the commission flats you see these older kids and they're always fucking with you you know like they'll, yep. they'll take your hat they'll take your rollerblades they'll hold a knife whatever mm. you know they'll, they'll do all that type of stuff so it's like my first real male role model was probably bruce lee <laughs> okay, yeah and michael jordan yep. MJ, you know? yeah um Does love his docker or what I love everything. Crazy, I, I love. I, I've got a signature hat, and with authenticity, and like I've loved that man forever. You know, yeah. like you, the attitude and the competitive drive. But I do love that that um, last dance. Oh. I've watched it so many. I, like my son was born, we came home and we put it on. You know, and people, so good, I'm man. filming it, and people are like, "Take that boy to bed. Turn that off." Turn and it's like he needs to know what greatness looks to- like. <laughs> You know, like <laughs> he needs to know. I wish I knew this when I was his age. You know, like that, that, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, they were my first male role models. But in terms of a real person in front of me that I could touch and shake hands with and and laugh with and cry with, Ziggy was definitely the, that yeah, that that awesome. person. You know, I always think, what would Ziggy do in this situation? Um, yeah, really. I, I was thinking that up until my 30s even, you know, like, what would Ziggy do here, you know? Uh, Ziggy would be a bit more disciplined than this and yep. I need to, to sharpen my game up. I need to... Coming from, like, from what I've heard of a lot of people and obviously of Harley and, and even just meeting you right now, you're fucking well put together. You're a good fella. I don't know. This is where I, I sometimes just think, how how do you get out of those situations sometimes? <clears throat> it's only going to go one way or the other way. Mm. Like, what do you think? Was, the, was there a moment there that you thought, I'm not going to go down this same path. In terms of where my friends went, jail yeah. or dead. Yeah. Um, it really has to come down to your, uh, your parents. So one was gone yep. and, and, and obviously not really at that time a great role model, you know, or ever. I don't <laughs> Who knows? I can't judge him in every area of yep. his life. But at that time, not a great role model. My mother, however, was fantastic. So she she pretty much put the fear into me of drug use, mm-hmm. drinking, um, all that type of stuff. So when my friends were drinking and like at 14 or 15, like, come on, let's get pissed. Oh, such and such as mum was going to let us drink at their house. And I was scared. I, th- I thought like maybe if I drink too much, I could die or something like yep. that. Or when they're smoking weed or, or, or whatever, it's like, oh, maybe that could kill me do something that's going to kill my mum really drove that home so thanks to her I was kind of scared a lot of the time (laughs) in terms of that behavior but when I got a bit older I started believing in my abilities a little bit more so I was a bit scared still like you know like from my father so I was like a bit submissive Okay. When I started believing in myself, I fell into the trap of anxiety. So it was like, I believe in my ability to defend myself. So when someone bigger and stronger who I perceive as a threat approaches me, mm-hmm. I would feel anxiety but not realize it was anxiety. Okay. Yep. So I, I, I took it on board as fear. I felt embarrassed and... I would fly into that situation, um, and uh, flies and fight. As yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Okay. I would fly into it. Yeah. Like, um, 
it's not something like I'm particularly proud of that, that I've, I've had so many street altercations and, yep. and, and altercations with anyone you, you any I've, I've fought gangs police bikies yeah whoever like them. It's, it's a crazy genre and, and I could go off for many hours in, in in different directions but um do you have a scary story for that situation is there one that stands out is there a story in those situations you want to tell a scary one yeah is there any like ones that you thought fuck like that could have gone either way I've got many many stories (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to if you don't want to no no no, believe me though there's there's like such a mental logjam of stories like I've had all in brawls yep I've had many all in brawls I've had um, many knives pulled on me I've had Half a dozen guns pulled on me. Is that a run situation where the knife comes out or what? If there's space to, for sure. Yep. But there's been times when I've been at the urinal and um, had a knife yep. pulled on me. I was doing some bodyguard work um, for somebody quite high profile and we were at the Spearmint Rhino nightclub and he went to the toilet and we had, somebody went in there and I was having a, a knife fight well, he had a knife. I had no knife. There's a toilet, and the client behind me having a knife fight in the cub- in the cubicle. <laughs> I'm trying to to to, yep. to 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 fight this guy with a with a knife. So I'm like both hands on the wrist, trying to control the knife. Number one, um, yeah. And and there's a scuffle, and you can imagine there's like there's piss on the floor, the there's toilet paper. You know, yep. like a nightclub urinal. Like Spearmint Rhino was kind of top at the top of the line at the time, but. Um, yeah, so that cl- that close, there's no option. There's no option to run. So fight or flight. Yep. It's like, man, if there's space, you would run. That's why on the on the on the different end of the spectrum, if because it's all psychological, and this is what I sort of honed as I was bouncing and and dealing with conflict. I was so anxious that I was flying off the handle, as I said. Whereas it's like someone would, I never started the fights, but when they were presented. Yeah. I would all in finish it like you know and I was I was trained but I was still fearful from from trauma you know Um, but yeah it's it's growing up um, and and sort of developing that um, how to defuse a situation with your voice or or how to make them I I developed that a, a little bit later First, it was that, as I said, the anxiety. Then when I started learning a little bit about the psychology of it, not not through any um, scholared means, anything like that, it was just like watch and observe what people are doing. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like bouncing I look at as my um, traineeship into human behavior. Okay, yeah. Like I'd already learned how to survive through shit, you know, get a bigger shovel and Mm -hmm. how to get out of that situation. And now this was like what people actually like when they're drunk and, you know, how things can go down and and, and things like that. So I started using my communication as either a form of Mm de-escalation or 
I would use it to adrenalize yep. the, the person that's potentially firing up to make them back down. So you sort of got to be able to read, like poker, yeah. you got to be able to read them. And it's like, do I put on this crazy man front and make them back down? Yep. Or do I act submissive and get him overconfident where he feels like he's already won and that's setting me up for the shot? Yep. Um, I'm going to hit him straight on the chin and knock him out. Yeah. <laughs> which, right. which, which was the go-to bone to bone contact, like bang straight on the chin. If I could, if I could hit, if I could hit that, those two big knuckles on the chin. Were you, going to sleep. Were you ever worried about the repercussions? At that time, there is no repercussion. It was more like survival. As I said, from from the from my trauma or from my experience, whatever you want to call it, um, and and I didn't see it as trauma or anything. I didn't even really think about it at that stage. I just knew that if somebody presented themselves to me mm-hmm. and they were aggressive and they were bigger than me, or they looked stronger or they looked angry, I just used to think I've got to turn this person off. Yeah, like. It's, it's just like get away from me because I, I don't want to die. I don't want to get shot. I don't want to get stabbed. I don't want your three brothers to, to come after me. My mum's been through enough. I don't want you to come to my house. So it was like kind of like that. And then it went through to a phase where it was like, fuck it. Yep. Anyone that wants to come and have a crack, have a crack. I'm not starting fights. But um, if you, if you want to start fights i'm not i'm definitely not backing down from that sounds you know? like cobra guy strike what's he say strike, <laughs> strike, strike first strike, strike hard. Hard, that's it <laughs> yeah well by this stage I'd, i i was probably i'd definitely been wrestling for probably seven years by that bouncer stage yeah um i'd been doing taekwondo since i was eight a box since i was about the same age yeah so when I was bouncing, I probably was a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is probably two is it, years. Is it the highest? Or is no, that, no. no. That's so a year and a half into into your journey, you would get a blue belt, which is what Harley got. I, gotcha. I, I graduated Harley to a blue belt, which is traditionally, which we can talk about as well, like when MMA started or the origins of MMA. But traditionally, um, it was thought upon if you had a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, if you were attacked by another style like uh, Aikido or karate or something, a black belt in those styles, yep. they would have no chance. If you got them to the ground, it was just like over. Okay, That was the thing. So when MMA started, um, UFC and, and things like that, it was more a style versus style thing. Mm-hmm. So the person that start, started the, the UFC was actually, originally was uh, a representative, one of the Gracie brothers. So they put... Hoyce, mm. one of the Gracies in, who was the skinniest and the least athletic looking, um, to prove a point. So they put he was really good on the ground. Was that him? Yeah, yeah. Hoyce Gracie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is a ground art. It's a, it's a submission yeah. wrestling art. So where freestyle wrestling is Ziggy style, where he won gold medal in Commonwealth Games and went to four Olympic Games, that's more about I take you down and pin your shoulders to the mat, and that's it. Okay. Yep. Brazilian jiu-jitsu is it doesn't matter if my shoulders hit the mat we still fight and we keep going and and traditionally it's it's a self-defense based art. Okay. Um where there's no no time limit. 
Um, no rules. It's based on that. From Brazil, obviously Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's refined now into a sport. There, there are some schools that teach predominantly the sporting aspect of, of it. You know, this is how we score and this is how you win the game of mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu. And there are others that focus on the self-defense elements. Gotcha. So when it hits the ground, um, there's a thing called the, what separates Brazilian jiu-jitsu from other grappling arts or submission grappling arts is a thing called the guard. Okay. So if I'm on my back, there's no pin, obviously, so we keep fighting. But if I'm on my back and my legs are between you and I, yep. that's, that, that's pretty much a guard. There's different variations of it, but I can hold you between my legs to, to clinch you so you can't hit me. Or I can fill the gap between us. If you stand up and try and rain shots on me, I can extend my legs on your hips and keep you back. So that would be an open guard. Um, so the guard separates most grappling styles from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Gotcha. Um, yeah. You'll see a lot of people, what they what they say in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, slow cooking the beans. They'll, they'll, they'll be on their back, clinching the guy on top. Guy on top makes a mistake. They'll be trying to work hard and, and you know, pull the guy's hands off or arms off his head and try and free their arms up to strike and that opens them up for a submission or a sweep or, or something like that. Gotcha. Hmm, it's all interesting. It's still uh, all new to me. There's, there's, there's so much. That's he's fan. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's talk about where did, where did um, Infinite start? Like how did that all... Well, um, since moving to Ballarat, I've been instructing. So filling in for the Taekwondo instructors to, to start with. And then when I started my grappling journey, um, I pretty much started teaching it as well, just as a, as a form of, so I can practice. It's like, um, I heard once, if, if you want to be a good jockey, you've got to produce great horses mm-hmm. so so i was just like man okay i've got to train some guys up here so i've got some training partners um and that's how it started so i was it was when i was competing so i was by the time i, I was teaching i was probably working as an apprentice i was doing telecommunication technician i was bouncing on thursday friday saturday night yep. and after work at 5 30 i would like speed and haul ass up to geelong or melbourne to try and get the training in then get back in time to bounce oh yeah it was what brutal time, what time are you starting oh what 5 30 what p.m it was when i would knock off yep. but yeah i would start at like eight i think was yeah those hours in, in ballarat back then right yeah yep. so eight to 5 30 yep um and then i would like fly to geelong or melbourne depending on what type of training i was doing and then try and get back Sometimes I nap on the high, like pull over and nap on the highway for a couple of hours and then get back in. Tell me you're bouncing. Um, they'd usually put me on early because at the time I, I, I had hair and yep. I was a little younger and I was like... A bit smooth. A bit, yeah. bit smooth, so they put me on the door so I could, I could <laughs> talk to people. Good looking this guy. Yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah. I wasn't like the typical juice monkey or the, yeah. or the fat, goaty, baldy sort of bouncer. I could sort of talk to people and... Okay. Uh, a little bit more presentable, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't want to say I did say it, obviously, but um, I don't want to say presentable so much. But because there'll be some of the some of the old boys watching, watching this. <laughs> laughing. But um, you know, you know what I mean. Like some of those bouncers, especially back then, it was like there's still gravy on their shirt and it's untucked and things like that. And I would um, take a bit more pride in my appearance. I was fighting, so I was I was fit. Yep. Um, 
but in doing that it was kind of like that was every shit person in town that would get kicked out of every other nightclub would get would would make their way to 21 arms where i was on the door by myself oh, by self yeah yeah for till till a certain time so i would open up yep and then it would be something like 11 or 12 and the next bouncer would start so you're there from 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 three or four hours something like that yeah well yeah two or three hours something like that before the next person would come so the first night I I worked and I didn't know what to do and you had to put out the the bollards with the rope oh yeah I'm standing there I'm like oh this is my first night and they're like you're on the door okay I don't know what to do you know so I'm out there and then um, there used to be this gang in town I, I mean do you want me to, do, yeah, do you I name them? Yeah. Oh, if you want, yeah. We'll if you want. Well, like, if they're still around or... I don't know. Fuck them anyway. Yeah, go the, the crew. Okay, never heard of it. Yeah. Anyway, so they used to be something back in the... If you, you'd be able to Google it and see they... they okay, they I'll have a look. Jump out of a car and bash someone walking their dog and... Oh, Jesus. All that type of stuff and okay. the tag thing, the Westy Crump, all that. Yeah. Anyway, I'd already dealt with more shit than this. So I, by this point in life, I wasn't scared. Yep. <laughs> so the first the first um, night I was working, three members turn up, and I'd been told to put the bollards out, and I did. And I'm standing there, and then they turn up, and they're like, "Who are you?" I'm like, "Oh, it's my first night," you know, like I didn't know what to say, you know. <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, this is who we are," and um, I'm like, "Oh, okay." And they're like, "We're coming in." I'm like, "Okay, I'm like that's fine." Like <laughs> whatever, and they dropped the rope. As soon as they dropped the rope, then I started realizing that th- these guys are actually trying to stand over me. Yeah. Um, and then I started thinking, if I let them in, it's going to be harder to get them out. Yep. So this is where the line's drawn in the sand. So it was like within my first two hours, I'd had an altercation yep. with three members of like one of the Jesus. most notorious gangs in Ballarat at the time. And... Um, and that's how I, I started a little bit of the, the, the street cred and, and, and things like that came, came about. And, um, yeah, I got, a f- I got a few people so, sort of training with me through knowing me through that and then, um, you know, appreciating the way I handled situations and, and things like that. And then, So where was the first shed then? Where was, the, like, your first little... We actually almost moved into one of your old ones. Oh really? Yeah, the one on was it Main Road. Where was your maybe you, the, the most recent one you moved from? Lalal Street. That's it. In Canadian. Yeah. 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 We were looking at that to move into when we we're moving from our first location. Lucky didn't. Why? The roof's, <laughs> the, the roof's fucked. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. The roof's fucked. Uh, yeah, it was just leaking and and, and rusting shit. So, so yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. that's good news. And yeah. So that wasn't your first spot though. Where was the first spot? The first spot was, uh, well, actually, I, I I always taught people out of my garage. Okay. So that's where Harley started training and things in like garage. that. Yeah. How did he find you? How did that work? Um, I think he joined up at one of the other gyms in Ballarat okay. um, that that teach Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, but the difference is they wear a gi, yep. um, you know, the traditional, like a judo karate uniform, um, and they teach karate there as well. Yep. Um, you know, they're cool guys. They're, they're just doing their thing. Um, they're doing a more karate-based sort of 
style and traditional side of things and, and incorporating Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well. Um, so Harley started there and then he heard, because I was dropping in to teach every time I was in town because I was working construction in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and he heard my name or whatever get dropped. Like, oh, no, actually, I want a world title. And I'd signed a thing because they let me use their gym in Main Road to train for it. Okay. And I, I signed the picture and put it on the wall. That's right. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, yeah, you can put this in your toilet or something, you know, but thank you. That's all I've got, you know, like, um, and and that, that's where a heap of dudes from Ballarat sort of saw yep. me, um, a picture of me, like on top of somebody. Um, I think that fight was against somebody that was six foot four, 126 kilos. Yeah, a 40 minute no rules fight. Uh, the Hilton. Hilton. No, no, it's it, it was it's a Hilton now, but it was. Um, this is Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a nightclub back then. It was like right on where the DFO is as you're going into Melbourne, the the Docklands. Yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 there was a there was a nightclub there, and and um, yeah, I fought there. That, that got apparently some Guinness, some 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 Australian record or something because right. it was fifty kilos heavier than me. 50 kilos. Fuck. Yeah. How much do you weigh? Not much. Well, I, um, I trained with a guy named Frank Shamrock who I idolised. Um, and he had one fight where he was at weigh-ins and he was like t- jokingly taking... He weighed in with his clothes and taking his wallet out and keys and stuff. It's like, yeah, this guy's so much heavier than me. But yep. So I had that in my mind. So like when I weighed in, I think I weighed in at like 80 kilos or 81 kilos or something like that. And I was like joking... Like, I'm like, oh, I've got my cargo shorts on, I've Taking got my shit off, keys yeah. and wallet. and uh, So I didn't even get undressed for, my, for that weigh-in, okay. funnily enough. Yeah. Yeah, that was a photo that I used. And that's, I guess, yeah, as I said, like um, that next generation that started, they were even driving up to me in Melbourne when I was living in Taylor's Lakes. So they were, they were um, driving up to train with me every day. Guys mm. like Sam Haywood. Um, uh, is he from? He was from Ballarat, yeah. Sam, I thought it was someone from Stall. Was there someone from Stall you were training? There's another guy in Stall that that um, that has a club. Oh yeah, you think Travis? Uh, oh, Travis. Um. um Bywater. Bywater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, his brother goes out with goes out with my sister-in-law. Right. There you go. Nice. I yeah, I don't think he's a fighter though. I don't think he does any fighting. Um. Yeah. Okay. So you. Where did all the... When, when was your first, I suppose, person you prepped for a fight then? The first person I prepped for a fight. Do you mean like a, a jiu-jitsu or a taekwondo fight or do you mean like a real fight? Because sorry, my, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, okay, yeah, yeah. Let's go... Uh, I suppose the stuff you do at the moment. So there's a few boys you prep... Yeah, MMA, yeah. So yep. there's a few boys that you're prepping at the moment. Yep. Which is on what, the 26? 26 of yeah. Feb, yeah, on the demolition card. And that's in St. Albans, Sunshine. Okay. Yep. Yep. So how, when was the first MMA fighter you did then? Who was? Um, I had a couple of guys compete um, on the Gold Rush car. There was a Gold Rush event in Ballarat. Yeah, yeah, I and, remember and, that. And that was it. Was the first one. And it was at the Mercure. Yeah, I do. Is this was it that not crazy long ago? Though? Not like, crazy long ago, yeah. no. Because Infinite has. It'd be 10 years this year. It would yep. be turning 10 this year. Awesome. Uh, in April, I, I believe. I have to double check that. 
yeah. But, um, <laughs> that up. yeah, so um, a couple of years into it, we did the MMA, but I started with just teaching jiu-jitsu because I wanted people to have a really good understanding on the ground and yeah. because I know like how important that is. You know, it's an insurance policy. It's in, in, in case of emergency break glass. Yep. You know, if you, if you and I fight and I land on my back and we're in this office here and what good is my, my system if I can't get the fuck up, you know? like yep. So you, you have to be good off your back. You have to have game. Um, so that's why I started those guys off at that gotcha. level. So it took a few years. We won like Victorian titles, national titles, many, many club titles in jiu-jitsu first, Pan-Pacific titles. Then we crossed over to MMA and started. So the thing with our gym is most people want self-defense. Um, there'll be a percentage that want fitness, another big chunk. Um, a few people will say they want to be a fighter, but then there might be like 1% yeah. that actually have what really it takes. Dedicated. Yeah, I was going to say, because how, like, is it you choosing these guys that want to do it? Or you, do you tell them straight to the face, I don't think you've got what it takes? Or are you like, how do you it's, manage that? It takes years, tailored. yeah? yeah it obviously takes years to... Absolutely. And that's, and that's pretty much the requirement. Our school runs very different from from other schools. So, as I said, we, we have a self-defense base yep. to start with. So if you come into our school and you're like, I have no idea what I want to do. I just want to learn some martial arts. We'll put you into a self-defense course. You'll learn the basics of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and then you'll graduate to, now what do you want to do? Do you want to go to a more advanced Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu understanding or do you want to incorporate some striking and some MMA and, Mm-hmm. into it so um, yeah the majority of people want to better their life as you know with, with the gym but also self-defense is the highest priority because if if statistically it's like most people will last I don't know about your industry but six months in, yeah. in martial arts yep. um, so my way of thinking and this is not always how I did it but my way of thinking is like man if I can give these guys some technique that they won't forget within that six months we could change generations mm-hmm. so um yeah that, that that's what we do in that regard so um we get those guys really filtered through now if i see their dedication if i see them turning up to every All class yep. if they're injured what are they doing are they turning up and taking notes like that's what I expect of of the top guys. It's yeah. like if you're the top guy in your field, you don't rest at home eating ice cream when you've hurt your knee. It's like you get on the fucking mat with a notepad or or with your notes open on your phone, film what I'm teaching. Like yeah. you're expected to still understand the system. Um, so there's a higher caliber. I really focus on. Um, attention to detail and dedication and you know have you got an aptitude to pick up this mindset yep. because my goal as a coach not just is technically and strategically which is very important but it's also to make you believe in yourself it's also like i have to make you think that you're going to win this fight before we go into it how much of a do you think you're more of a life coach like do you think because a lot of these boys look up to you so much that i talk to and you've got like that, not about fart, like not father figure, but it's like, I think about it like, and I've said this a couple of <clears> times <throat> with a few people where 
my dad gets angry at me, it doesn't really mean much. But when my dad's disappointed in me, that it hurts more. Yeah. And I feel like these boys would be like that with you, where they'd be like, "There's a you, lot, yeah." Yeah, if you say like you're a bit disappointed or whatever, that'd fucking kill them to the core. Yeah, yeah, they for some reason, like what, some reason, whatever it is, <laughs> like they respect me. Yeah, um, and I respect them too. They so so maybe that's why. Like, yeah. um, I don't generally scold unless it's really bad. Yeah, you know, like. There's some guys that have potential, and you see it. You know, you you probably see it as well. It's like, man, this this kid's like, really could do anything he wants in life. And you see them not working to their potential, and like, it's just like, then that's that's when I'll get up them. Like when it's like, man, you're fucking up. You know, like shape up, Mm -hmm. because this is bullshit. You know, like, what what do you want to do? No, no offense to people that are working big w or doing whatever but like is that what you want with your life if that's what you want then you're on track yep you know if it's not this is your path because you're special mm-hmm. you know so i get up them and i and that's when i will raise my voice but generally if it's a, a bad performance or something like that there's no yelling there's no yelling you know um i will adopt I know you say father role, but it's more like a mother role. Like if you think about it, it's like, man, you know, I'll put my arm around you and and it's like, dude, I love you. Thank you for for trying your hardest. You know, if you try your hardest, that's all matters. That's what I'm after, you know, like it's character building, it's mentality building. It's like, you know, the Jocko shit you see, it's like all that type of stuff, you know, like uh, the Goggins stuff, that type of stuff as well. But it, it can't just be that there's... It has to be tailored to the individual, and and getting back to your question about how do I choose or or, or whatever, it's like if, if you can stick around and get through that self defense based period, and you're dedicated, and you tell me you want it, mm-hmm. and I can see that you want it, then we'll go to the next level, you know, and and we'll we'll do this together, and it's all about it's all about character building and development. Yep. It's it's I, I'm more interested in that than than. Um, producing some whiz bang fighter it's like for, for every fighter i've had and th- and there's quite a few there's probably another 10 people we've got off drugs yep ice yeah awesome all that type of stuff and that that, that that's, that's directly that, yeah. changing the community that's like one more person off ice now he's got a family and that dynamic has totally changed for them where it could have been another fucking welfare yep. draining piece of shit born which sounds horrible but that that's the cycle that i've seen in my life people might watch this and go oh, that's so uh, well, but it's, it's like so no it's real and honest it's very yeah true. my next door neighbor had dog shit and cat shit on their bed when i went to, you know like feral feral shit can happen with people and it and it, and, and society if, if you're not in a privileged point of view society can get quite shit and you have to as i said at the start you have to be compassionate and and understand that you know like and that's what i'm about trying to trying to change people's path trying to you know oh you don't have to be a fighter but did you get that apprenticeship did you ask out that girl or that boy you know like this is the, the competing to me is about making a date to address your anxiety. And if you think of it like that, it's very different. Yep. It's not like, oh, I'm going to war, bro. You know, like, it's like, 
we all feel the anxiety. It's like sitting on the beach, the waves come in and they go out whether I like it or not. That thought coming in can be like, you're the man, you're the champ. Fuck yeah, I am. And then it goes out again. And it's like, now I'm scared again. And then the next one comes in and it's like, you're not ready. You haven't done the training. You're like, oh no, I haven't done the training. And then it washes out again. But the key is to realize that the waves are going to go in and go out regardless of the thought. And you have to be observant yep. as a third person sitting out. Don't worry about them. They're not going to affect how my heart rate's going. I have to focus on my breathing, trust my training, listen yep. to my mentors, listen to my coach, and then go and ask the girl out and yep. then go and do my driving test and then make the walk to the fight. See, I think that's where the like the mentor thing step, steps in there. Like exactly what you just said, obviously a massive passion of yours to help people now, mm. which is incredible. How do you go with, um, is there like a rule in your gym for people <clears throat> at, like fighting outside of there? Like are you very strict on... Like obviously you say self-defense that's mm. fine but you're very strict on the type of like this is a fucking no-no get out type of thing or what how do you for sure like it's like for people that are competent in fighting and they start competing those guys don't look for fights those yeah. guys are not interested in um proving themselves because they're doing the ultimate yeah proving um to them for themselves, you know, you really find yourself in a fight. It's like when, you, when you're tired, you've got a trained athlete on top of you, trying to punch your face in with a four ounce gloves into the side of the fence. You got to deal with some shit. You're no longer worried about if that guy with a big chest in the pub looking at you is going to come over. You know, like so, you, you tend to be a little bit more humble when you when you when you're trained. Yep. Well trained. Yep. That being said, there are also people that have delusions and they will come in and they'll they may have sinister more sinister reasons for training where it's like i'm going to square up with that person or i'm gonna you know i'm gonna do that so i can be the the leader of this or whatever yep. you know but those guys do absolutely do not last it's like bullies don't generally like being pressured yep as i said earlier it's like um a bully is generally somebody that's been bullied and you know, they've got something else going on in their life as well that they haven't dealt with. That's why they're projecting. So if you put someone like that, that's used to going, you know, like how you, we call them Ballarat Westies, yep. you know, like if you see a Westie going off and no one wants to deal with that in the shopping center, it's like, oh, and it's like, oh, nobody wants to, to, to deal with that. You know, like that's... um. Yeah, thing, th things can get awkward, you know. Like, so you've got to be able to. Sorry, my watch just caught up. You're right. <laughs> Sorry, what was I saying? Where were we going with that? Um, we were talking about fighting outside of. Yeah, so you've got to be able to deal with that. But these guys that are like that, they will generally, you know, water seeps, it finds its own level. Yeah. That's what they'll do. So they'll they'll find out that this is too much hard work. This is, uh, I'm not willing to be beaten. Yeah. I want to be the hammer, not the nail. Um, and they leave pretty quickly. So generally the guys that are, that uh, guys and girls that have the aptitude to be a bully and pass it forward, they get sorted out. Um, not, not in a um, sinister way from us, but 
just the process of training it's 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 dedication even weights you know like you've got to turn up you've got to be disciplined you've got to put the numbers in you've got to consistency you've got to be consistent exactly and the people that stick around generally have that mentality and the 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 qualities or the start of the qualities that that Mm. we can nurture to to turn into somebody that's more a role model or a, or a pillar of the community as opposed yep. to somebody that's just like going around and being like what'd you say boom like yep. yeah all that type of stuff because you know as i said i'm i'm i've been through a lot i've got a lot of a life experience and i'm honest with my students so if anyone asks me something i'm, I'm willing to to talk openly about it um and i do talk openly about it with with our students like you know, you don't want to, not just from, from, uh, in regards to being a bad person, which is huge, yeah. you know, you don't want to be a bad person, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, you can get in trouble with the law. You can, if I hit you on the head and break my hand, that can end my career. If you fall and hit your head on the ground and you die, that can have devastating effect for you your family yeah obviously you yeah my family and me like there's so much that can go on with it so it's like we have to have those conversations they're awkward conversations they're they're and what it comes down to is i feel you have to have a serious think about where your line in the sand is am i willing to let you say that am i willing to let you touch me do that um and if you're willing to defend that line and you're okay with it, then generally the the repercussions are worth it. Okay. So if That's put it. if you knock on my door and I answer the door, hey, how you going? And you're like, I'm fucking coming in. And we're like, no, you're not coming in. And you you enter into my house, and that's where my my son is and my yep. my partner. You see what I mean? It's like, what what line am I willing to to hold yeah are we willing to hold it like braveheart you know hold till they get close and we pick up the fucking spiky stick and make them run onto it you know like yeah. you have to have that line in the sand where it's law yeah obviously it's applicable but i'm not willing to let that be my guide in self-defense i'm going to get the problem away mm-hmm. if 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 that's if that's what it is you know if it's if it's a home invasion if it's a you approach me when it's just me and my my missus walking to the car or you know you approach me if i'm just leaving the cinema yeah, yeah there, there's so many different yeah. facets to it yeah but um have a think about it for yourself is what i would tell everybody to do decide what your own line is because oh man i'm not willing to to punch somebody in the face and that's fine you know that's totally fine but what are you willing to do like are you willing to give them a stern look and say something then that's your line like Let's be realistic about it. So then it's not a surprise when we get adrenalized and pressured and, and start getting tunnel vision and things like that because that's what happens when we get adrenalized. Like yep. the chemicals don't change for people. We can get desensitized, but I'm still going to get adrenaline in my system. And yep. that's when I start making silly decisions if I'm not trained, if I don't have a trained response. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hit you some with some rapid fire things, yeah. and if if we're honest here, guys, I I just turned the cameras off and just had to start it over again. So we actually ought to end it to these. We're gonna go through them again. Uh, Conor McGregor, awesome. Awesome. I like him. 
<laughs> I like um, aspects of him yeah, and yeah. other aspects, not so much. But um, in terms of uh, what he's done for the sport um, and open an avenue towards fighter pay yeah. um, to fighters getting more pay, mm-hmm. fantastic. And then also having like big money career outside of fighting. Um, He's, he's done a fantastic job punching old people in the bar not so great yeah. looking like a coked out idiot on stage in the MTV awards or whatever I'm not a fan of but that aspect of him I think he's awesome awesome uh, this one I was actually surprised Jake Paul yep growing on me yeah yep. I me. was surprised at that but then you, you did I'll, you, I'll let you talk about it brought it back it. Yeah. around yeah. maybe so my level of uh, so why why I say I brought it back around I said that my skin crawls and I cringe when when I hear him self-promoting and what he's got to say and and the role he's playing Um, it just really rubs me the wrong way but growing on me in terms of he's putting a spotlight on the negative aspects of fighter pay and the way fighters are treated and um, you know like health insurance and, and basic things that that should be you know, human rights that, that the people get in a society where you're paying taxes and things like that. You know, obviously America is a little bit different, but um, you know, health insurance, pay, all that kind of thing. I I, I respect that and I and I um, applaud that. So he's growing on me in that regard. Yep. I suppose that next one goes into Dana White. Then we did talk a bit about the once again the fighter pay. Yeah. So um, I love Dana White in terms of what he's done in the sport. Um, his work ethic is second to none. He doesn't sleep. He is responsible for bringing the UFC and MMA into the mainstream yeah. um, with the backing of the Fatitas. You, know, you need that, the, those billionaires to, yeah. to sort of push that brand forward. Um, but in terms of the work that it took and the vision and, and being, you know, the feet on the ground, Dana White was the guy to do it. But the fighter pay. Yeah. Got to address the fighter pay. It's shit house. Um, as I said, um, Francis Ngannou, you know, the heavyweight champion, yeah, which was is a half a mil, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's meant to be the baddest man on the planet. Yeah, uh, you know, you look at the heavyweight champion, any you know, boxing, or it's like, man, that that guy's the baddest man on the planet. So if you think MMA, like they they would beat yeah. the boxer, or they would beat, you know, this isn't UFC one where we're fighting style against style to prove what's better. This is like a contemporary athlete the the crown jewel of the ufc and he's getting half a mil yes. which may seem a lot to wow, some people it's not in that but it's not sense. no way no you know you're in there with other guys you know they're cutting weight to make 265 pounds and they're throwing fists at you that have got like plaster cast hand wraps yep then covered with a four ounce glove which is pretty much just like tire tread yep. it's to protect my hand from breaking on your head not to protect your head <laughs> you know so it's like there's a lot that comes with it. And then after that fight, he goes and gets a, a knee reconstruction or something like that. So it's like, now he's got to pay for that. Yep. Got to be out of work, go through rehab. You know, there's no insurances, there's no healthcare. And he's got to fork out, pay his trainers, pay his managers. All of that type of stuff comes out of it. And the rent that mm. he hasn't been. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it doesn't work out to that much. We did, we did also mention uh, before about the, UFC nearly went under, mm. which would be interesting to see what would have happened in the long term if that had happened after, what was it, Forrest Griffin and who? Who was it? Stefan Bonner. Yeah, they did. Um, the Ultimate Fighter. Ultimate Fighter number <clears throat> one. That was yeah. the first one, yeah. 
and yeah they said that apparently the ratings were you could see the numbers climbing mm. as the fight was going on it's like they they've said um that people rec- must have been calling their friends and telling them to tune in as it was happening yeah it was um just like some spectacular Crazy, sport yeah yeah, yeah. um anison silver the goat goat the goat that guy in his prime was like a jedi it was like calm didn't throw any shots for the for the first minute or so just taking in the data mm-hmm. and then you know like calculating in his head and then he would like finish guys like the way he kicked Vitor Belfort in the head it was like you know uh, so like a front kick yeah right yeah, in the right boom right yeah. there and he just crumpled straight down into his own footprint like tower seven you know it was like, <laughs> like just yeah. finished like someone shot him from the back row of the sniper gun yep. it was like th- there's nobody like anderson silver on the rope against stefan bonner they fought um he, he, he's like leaning back on the cage sorry not the ropes he's just like moving his head and then he jump knees him Ugh, finished like it's just like when i when i decide it's over it's over and yep. and that's what he would do in his prime and even now to get back to now jake paul and that uh, Triller, I think they're... Yeah, they're Triller, yeah. yeah. Uh, Anderson Silva fought on that. He fought Julio Cesar Chavez's son, who is, like, he's had, like, 50 pro fights as well. Um, Did he beat him? He beat him. Yeah. Uh, in boxing? Yeah. Oh, wow. Smashed him. Okay, interesting. Wasn't even close. Yeah. And then he fought Tito Ortiz in boxing and, st- like, knocked him out in the first few seconds. Wow. He, he Like, Anderson Silva, you talk about, like, he, he'd be approaching 50... And he's still, still fighting because he loves it. So how can you not call him the goat? That's yeah. like that's he's the goat. He's the goat. Khabib. Fantastic. Um, I really appreciate the way that he left it top on on top. Mm-hmm. Um, I like his attitude. I like how he's like a hard nosed businessman now. Um, I like how he's competing with the UFC as well. Yep. I think more, more competition is better. Um, and I really like the way that he respected his dad as he stepped away after his dad passed away and he said, this is my last fight. I don't want to do this. Where does he bond? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he stepped away on that. And, um, yeah, I always respect him and I, lo- I love his attitude. Where uh, I think I've said it before that... Um, you know, find your line. Yeah, it's line like, of the sand. Yeah. What you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, you know, like I make posts on on the Facebook page, on the on the business page. Sometimes it's like never let anyone get comfortable disrespecting you. And I always use that photo where Connor's down, defeated, and and Khabib's standing up, sort of pointing yep. at Connor's corner, yelling at them. And it's like that moment where he jumps the cage, and it's like chaos in in, in the crowd and things like that. I probably shouldn't say it, but. Most people looked at that as like a really dark mark on the sport. And I guess it is. Like, I don't condone anything like that. But as I said, that, that line in the sand, it's like, when I go home, can I live with this shit? Hmm. Like, this guy disrespected your, your, your father. He disrespected your team, your religion. It's like, at what point do we start stop blaming the person that responds and start being like man conor mcgregor was a piece of shit then yep you know he hyped the fight up no doubt about it and maybe that's what was behind it but um i really like the way that um khabib 
sorted yeah. that out because that's uh, I feel that that was honourable the way you mm-hmm. did it. Okay. <laughs> um, so we're moving to these questions. Like I said Good. before, I haven't sent these to you. So, um, what would be something that you, that people would be surprised to know about you? Um, I am too forgiving. I let people back into my life, or I have in the past, too easily. Um, you know, when it was just like sorry. It's like, oh, that's all right. We'll just forget about it or something like that. Um, I think it's important for people to have that fuck you in the back pocket. You yep. need to be able to pull that card out sometimes. Um, it's part of business. It's part of life. Um, so the earlier you get used to um, having uncomfortable to- talks, um, I think that's beneficial. If you can discuss something that's uncomfortable, the way you're feeling with somebody, the way they make you feel, yep. that's important. And in the past, I've I've definitely, I don't know if you say fallen victim to it, but adhered to it. Like I'm, I've definitely been weak in that area. So um, even sometimes now, you know, like as I've said, it's like that empathetic side where I'm going to, feel what they're telling me oh man I did that pulls on the heartstrings a bit yeah Yeah, and I'm like okay I want to look after you I want to do that father or that mother figure you know like let's do this let's empower you let's do this together and in trying to do that it it breaks your own heart Mm. so that that would probably be too giving too too forgiving Um, what are you most afraid of? What am I most afraid of? Death of my loved ones. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Heavy. Brutal, brutal. Yeah. And second would definitely be fucking heights. <laughs> oh, yeah, no good? Did you go bungee jumping or anything? I wouldn't go bungee jumping. No? no. Skydive? Not now. But back when I was in my 20s, I definitely would. But now yep. it's just like, oh, I don't fucking want to jump out of a plane. Yeah. What are you talking about? It's good plane's got wings. It flies. <laughs> it's like, oh, do I really want to be doing this? Yeah. I don't I don't like flying at the best of times. I, I do it. Yep. But, um yeah like heights is definitely up there but you know like death of your mother de- death of your partner death yeah. of a son or a daughter or something oh, i couldn't imagine so that that would be probably my biggest fear mm-hmm. yeah that's a big one for everyone i think that's i think so if they're thought. honest you gotta yeah, be honest, honest um what's something someone said to you in your life has just never left you a lot of shit it's like i feel i feel like don't get this twisted i'm not saying i'm michael jordan i'm not likening myself to michael jordan (laughs) i feel like i can relate to what michael jordan's saying when he's like i used what he said as motivation to to get get to the next level where he makes things up you mean well not so make things not so much makes things up but but uh, i definitely fall victim uh, my students will tell you that yep. and I'll even tell them that and they, they, they laugh about it afterwards it's like you know these motherfuckers and this and that and, yep. da, 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 and they're like oh yeah. <laughs> and oh yeah and I'm like oh they didn't actually say that but that's how they looked at me or something like <laughs> you know like just trying to like yeah. some fighters you need to get up and as I said some fighters you need to sort of calm down before the fight so um, yeah it depends on how it works there but more, more so when when um, 
like if someone like there's been people when I first started out in this industry say oh you know like if, if you've got any fighters one day that, that reach competitive level you can send them up to us and you know we'll help you out and if we come to Ballarat why would we want to come to Ballarat and I always used to think to myself motherfucker we're going to have champions here and people are going to travel from all around Australia to train with us mm-hmm. and not just that I, I have a vision that this town will shut when when our when our athletes compete that's what I want you know like this I, I've, I've I even wrote it before I um, my son was born I disconnected Facebook for a little bit it's just like oh, I want to be the bulls yep. it's like why not say it out loud let everyone hear it it's like I want to be the best coach mentor if, if, if you want to put it like that I want to raise our team up to the best team I'm very competitive my guys are very competitive and we do all the work um, but we want to be that hub. We want, we want to put Ballarat on the map in terms of MMA. We are undefeated in the last 12 months. We've got multiple national champions, you know, champ champs, like got two different belts hanging off them. Um, one of these guys even grew up in Wendery West, like in the gutter. Yep. You know, he used to, when he started with us, catch two buses I'll leave, I'll leave, I won't say his name, but I'll leave him for his story because yep. you'll probably want to interview him. Yep. But um, he, um, he used to catch two buses from Wendery West to get to us. I didn't even know that. Every Lalau Street. Yep. When we were up there. It's rock up. Yeah, not not Howard Street now. It's like that. That would have just been a couple of blocks over there. So we just yeah, two buses, and then all the way back home every night. Every night, this guy's like champion in multiple organizations Australian champion um, you know this doesn't just as I've said earlier this doesn't just change your immediate life it changes generations like you know like it's this guy's thriving in all areas mm-hmm. so like got out of that environment thriving in, in their job thriving in the sport now working with people and helping bring them up so it's it's important and I can go on a massive ramp because something that, that really gets me um, is because of the popularity wave in MMA, in martial arts, people will jump on it. Mm-hmm. People without experience like I've just spoken of, of my student. And there's m- many more worse stories than that that, that I could tell you. There are the businessmen that jump in seeing an opportunity. I, I get it. Like that, that happens in any, any field. And they're not qualified to, to be doing a service for not only their client, but for martial arts as a whole. Like, because there's no... Like to be a personal trainer or to do something, you have to do a course. Yep. Yeah, yep. you have to do it. To be a martial arts instructor, I can be Hang Fat on. Uncle Gary right. and and just go, yeah, I'm teaching MMA now and that. You know, like one, one of those dudes and that's what's happening. So you get guys that, are, that have experience, earned it, but the guys that don't, that, that, that are trying to capitalize on an opening or 
enjoy it. They yep. they might do jujitsu and they enjoy it. It's like, man, I want to do this for a living because I really enjoy it. As soon as they put self-defense on there, I, they, they can say, we teach fighters. It's bullshit, but that's up to the fighter to, to do their research. You know, an AFL athlete wouldn't not do their research, you know, that before mm-hmm. they join a team. Yep. As soon as they say self-defense, we're talking about somebody that's been traumatized potentially, um, that needs a, a psychological reboot, yep. a strategy to get along in life. And these motherfuckers, as I say, gets me wound up because I'm so passionate about it. These motherfuckers, <laughs> right? They say they teach self-defense, but they've never been in a fight. Yep. They don't know what it's, they, they're raised with a silver spoon in their mouth and they don't know what it's like to, to come out of the gutter. Hardship, discipline, work ethic, things that will count yep. at the end of the day. These guys are just, I've seen it and I, I'm not ashamed to say it, but it broke me down. I was crying to my partner. This kid came in, he's like, I got put in a headlock at school and I couldn't get out. It's not, not even that bad, right? It's not, tra- maybe traumatic to him, you never know to what level, but as soon as he told me that and he said, I've been training, you know, I was just like, fuck, crying when I got home, like, we've got to change things. You know, this is, we've got to really focus on the empowerment, the mentality and the self-defense as a start, mm-hmm. you know? There is such, a gap in in know-how with with this mostly as i said people people do it and they enjoy it and then they start the gym or people yep. see the opening and they they start it there and then what happens to the people that are giving you money like i really feel like there should be a way to sue them yep. it's like you fucking told me i could defend myself and I got my head punched in, or you told me this, and I'm and I'm not there, you know. Like I, I really feel like there should be some type of union or something like that because what I look around and see is more harm than good. Yep. You know, more harm than good, and and the more things turn into fad, the the more I don't like it. It's like I, I. I tend to think of myself as a, as a real dude, like I'm a, I'm a real motherfucker. <laughs> so, I'm a so, real dude. You know, like I've been through it all. Um, and these guys, are, well, let me step it back. Let me say people that are looking for self-defense or to, to get that empowerment through martial arts or, or whatever, please do your homework. That's what I would let's 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 go that route so I don't have to Please, yeah, name yeah. names and all that sort of stuff. Please do your homework. Go and take the free classes here and there. Check it all out. See if the the they gel with you. See if you like that person. Um, are they a dickhead? Are they just chest beating? Are they telling you what you want to hear to get the money? Um, check it all out and see if it fits it's your you. needs. Because yep. man, there's such a a big gap in between the, the the people that are good and there's only a handful in Australia mm-hmm. and the people that aren't good and there's like seven handfuls in Ballarat alone. Yep. So so and I'm and I don't mean to bag anyone out 
like I'm not I'm not yeah. saying a particular martial art, but there's people that are opening up as MMA. But there's also these other arts where it's like UFC one sorted out style versus style. But that being said, even if it was say something like Aikido that didn't hold up in terms of combat, that's still beautiful art, martial art. If you want to do that, know what it is. But what I'm saying is these people shouldn't be now saying marketing as like a substance in that. Exactly. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. Because it's a sugar pedestal, and when the storm comes, that dissolves. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it dissolves. <laughs> <Not like that. laughs> um, last thing I've got, do you have anyone that you'd like to see on the podcast next around Ballarat? Um, yes, would be the answer. Who, who, you got? who you got for me? Jason Walker. Yeah. He owns a bricklaying business, and he helps train martial artist he's a lifelong martial artist as well okay, he's a karate guy yep. he's an interesting dude um, I've worked with him quite a bit um, and also I've got two rock star fighters they're going straight to the top Luke Diamond Dally and Harry the Human Highlight Real Web what's he at Diamond for what's the he's from the rough okay yep. he's Diamond in the rough okay I like that yep. he's built under pressure that man beautiful Oh, excellent. Um, yep. any, anything you want to say to finish off with? Oh, anything man, just shout out to our team, Infinite MMA. Shout out to Harry, Luke Daly. Who else have we got fighting on there? Jack Ruth, Ruthless. He's fighting on that next card. He's fighting for our next Australian title as Where's well. Where's this, Melbourne? This is in the St. Albans card in Melbourne. Oh, yeah, 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 yep, Demolition, yep, yep. the 26th of February. Um, and we've got What's Up, Michael What's Up, Elsop. He's fighting on that card as well. And we've also got a female fighter. Awesome. First female fighter from Ballarat. First indigenous fighter from Ballarat, Winona Greenhalg. She is a savage. Watch out for her. She's fighting in March. In March. Yep. March. Beautiful. All and right. it's her birthday today. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, <laughs> Winona. <laughs> Beautiful. Appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much. As well. Nice meeting you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, team. Once again, would appreciate any reviews you've got down below. Have a great day.